Welcome back to the Market2 Online podcast, where we help new and not-so-new creators reimagine their online strategies and finally live the life of their dreams. Welcome back, friends. Before we get started, and thank you again for being here, let's just remind ourselves of what was covered last week. This is a six-week series on copywriting. It surely does not cover all aspects of copywriting. Instead, it covers what I believe will help a new marketer get their core messages in front of the people they want to do business with and start making a significant difference in their marketing quickly and effectively. We are here at week number two. But last week, we found out what copywriting is. And we touched on those core things that must be included in good copy, such as why a compelling headline is critical and why focusing on the benefit to the reader is also critical. Why you must make a promise to the reader that you later fulfill and why you must back up everything you said with proof. We talked about how to write those headlines at work, too. And we learned what Bob Bly said in the Copywriter's Handbook, that there are eight time-tested headline categories. And then we talked about writing headlines that get results. And the six questions Clayton Makepeace says we need to ask ourselves before we start to write our headline. So, yeah, we covered a bunch of really important things. And as you can tell, headlines are important. It dominated the entire episode. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend going back to it first. Well, that was your recap. Now let's get into today's podcast. We'll be discussing the structure of persuasive copy. We've seen that the purpose of each element of copy is designed to get the first sentence read, and then from there to keep the reader engaged, step by step, to the conclusion. We know we must keep things clear, concise, and simple so that our writing communicates with ease and we understand the make or break importance of the attention-grabbing headline. So, how do we then structure our content to be persuasive? What is the secret sauce? People like to talk about templates. They think that with a template they will always succeed. That is not entirely true. Templates do contain structure, but they do not have your message, your voice, your reasoning, your story, and your emotion. Your entire message has structure too. Good content structure is never written in stone, but your persuasive copy will do certain things and contain certain elements time and time again. Whether you're writing a sales page, a long blog post, or a promotional ebook, or whatever else you may be writing, the flow will determine effectiveness. 
So let's get started with a few guidelines. First of all, focus on the reader. Make an important promise early on with your headline and opening paragraphs that tells the reader what's in it for her or him. And never allow readers to question why they're bothering to pay attention. Then there's each separate part of your narrative, your story. It should have its main idea or something compelling. And the main purpose, which is to rile up the reader to counter an opposing view, which supports your bigger point and promise. So don't digress. And don't ramble on. Just stay laser focused. Also, be ultra specific in your assertions, which is a confident and a forceful statement of fact or belief. And always make sure to give reasons why. General statements which are unsupported by specific facts cause a reader's BS detector to go on high alert. I know I've been there. You know, you read the email or the the web page or the sales copy, and it just seems to be too good to be true, and uh, it's scary uh, when you come upon those situations because you just don't know what to do. Uh, do I buy it to hope that it works, or well, we don't want our reader to do that now, do we? We want them to know, based on the information that we're giving, that this is what we need. It's delivering what we want, and it's going to serve us in the way that we need. Okay, the next item. Demonstrate large amounts of credibility by using statistics, expert references, and testimonials as appropriate. You must be authoritative. If you're not an existing expert in a subject, you'd better have done some research. And you can always use other authority experts to back up what you're teaching, showing that they also teach the same thing, gives you associative authority. And there's also, after building your credibility and authority, make sure you get back to the most important person, the reader. What's still in it for him? Restate the hook and the promise that got your readers engaged in the first place. And then, make an offer. Whether you're selling a product or selling an idea, you've got to explicitly present it for acceptance by the reader. So you need to be bold and firm when you present your offer and relieve the reader's risk of acceptance by standing behind what you say. You know, guarantee. And now finally, sum everything up. Returning full circle to your original promise and demonstrate how you fulfilled it. This is critically important, especially if you're working with a complicated funnel that may span many emails or pages or across multiple social media platforms. Remind your prospect, hey, remind yourself of what you promised to do to correct a problem they may have been dealing with 
and how you have delivered on that promise to them. Yeah, these are some of the key elements of persuasive copy. Use them to provide a roadmap to your writing, and you'll achieve better results. Now that you know the basics of creating persuasive copy, let's dig into one particular element of copywriting that often trips up beginners, and that would be features and benefits. Now featuring benefits. One of the most repeated rules of compelling copy is to stress benefits, not features. In other words, identify the underlying benefit that each feature of a product or service provides to the prospect because that's what will prompt the purchase. This is one rule that's always applied. Well, except when it doesn't. And we'll look at that in a bit. So. Let's take a look at fake benefits. The idea of highlighting benefits over features seems simple, right? But it's often tough to do in practice. Writers often end up with fake benefits instead. And what do I mean? Well, top copywriter Clayton Makepeace asserts that fake benefits will kill sales copy, so you have to be on the lookout for them in your writing. He uses this headline as an example, and here it is. Balance blood sugar levels naturally. Well, that sounds pretty beneficial, doesn't it? In reality, there's not a single real benefit in the headline. Makepeace advises supplying his patented forehead slap test to see if your copy truly contains a benefit to the reader. In other words, Have you ever woken up from a deep sleep, slapped yourself in the forehead, and exclaimed, Man, I need to balance my blood sugar levels naturally. Well, it doesn't happen. So getting someone to pull out their wallet to buy that so-called benefit will be difficult at best. And so here's how Makepeace identifies the real benefit hidden in that headline. He says, Nobody really wants to balance their blood sugar levels, but anyone in his or her right mind does want to avoid the misery of blindness, cold, numb, painful limbs, amputation, and premature death that go along with diabetes. Yes, a high-risk person will want to avoid the terrible effects of diabetes. That is the true benefit that the example product offers. So how exactly do you extract true benefits? Well, you need to extract them from the features. Here's a four-step process that works. First, make a list of every feature of your product or service. Second, ask yourself why each feature is included in the first place. Third, take the why and ask how. How does this connect with the prospect's desires? And fourth, get to the absolute root of what's in it for the prospect at an emotional level. So let's take a look at a product feature for a fictional newsfeed reader app. Here's the feature. 
contains an artificial intelligence algorithm. Why is it there? Adds greater utility by adopting and customizing the user's information experience. And what's in it for them? It keeps the things you read the most at the forefront when you're in a hurry. What's the emotional root? You stay up to date on the things that add value to your life and career without getting stressed out from information overload. So, getting to the emotional root is crucial for effective customer sales. But what about business prospects? Well, this is when features can work. When selling to businesses or highly technical people, features alone can sometimes do the trick. Pandering to emotions will only annoy them. Besides, unlike consumers who mostly want things rather than need them, Business and tech buyers often truly need a solution to a problem or a tool to complete a task. When a feature is fairly well-known and expected from your audience, you really don't need to sell it. However, with innovative features, you still need to move the prospect down the four-step path we have already discussed. While the phrase contains an artificial intelligence algorithm may be enough to get the slash dot reader salivating, he'll still want to know how it works and what it does for him. So the question, what's in it for me, aspect remains crucial. For business buyers, you're stressing bottom line benefits from innovative features. If you can demonstrate that the prospect will be a hero because your CRM or customer relationship management product will save her money or her company $120,000 a year compared to the current customer relationship management choice, you've got a good shot. While that may seem like a no-brainer purchase to you, you'll still need to strongly support the promised benefit with a detailed explanation of how the features deliver. Remember, change scares the business buyer because it's their job or a small business on the line if the product disappoints. So we need to sell with benefits and support with features. We're not as logical as we'd like to think we are. Most of our decisions are based on deep-rooted, emotional motivations, which we then justify with logical processes. So first, help the right brain create desire, then satisfy the left brain with features and hard data so that the wallet emerges. Persuading your reader with features and benefits is important, but you also need to know how to craft a truly compelling offer. Let's look at some guidelines for creating offers. How about this? Kids eat free. The sign says it all. Kids eat free every Monday and Tuesday. It's out in front of a Mexican food restaurant on my way home. That's called an offer. It's not the restaurant's main offering, which is trading Mexican food for money. 
as far as that goes, this is probably maybe the third best out of four Mexican food joints in my hometown. But every Monday and Tuesday night, the place is packed. They've made an appealing offer that caused people to take action. Offer is a contractual term. It's an invitation to enter into an economic relationship or any relationship. A relationship is based on mutual promises. I'll do this for you if you give me money or attention or friendship. If there's no acceptance of the invitation, there's no contract and no relationship. Uber marketer Mark Joyner devotes an entire book to the subject of offers. He demonstrates that hugely successful businesses are built upon an irresistible offer. Formulating an irresistible offer means telling a story that people want to hear so they naturally respond. You must then live the story and fulfill the offer. It's helpful to think about offers as coming in two varieties, primary and promotional. I'll highlight a couple of Joyner's favorite irresistible offers to demonstrate one of each type. A primary offer, Federal Express. FedEx is a billion-dollar company so essential that corporate commerce might grind to a halt if they and their progeny ceased business. The company filled a huge need at the time because the United States Postal Service provided unacceptable results to really important people, mainly on Wall Street. So Fred Smith, the founder, took Wall Street's money and became essential by providing an offer that couldn't be refused. Guaranteed overnight delivery. And here it is, when it absolutely, positively has to be there overnight. About the only thing this offer doesn't communicate is price. If the price wasn't right, FedEx would not have blasted off. But in the early days, the price wasn't the first question you asked if it absolutely, positively had to be there the next morning. The next one. Promotional Offers Domino's Pizza Tom Monahan entered the world of pizza with a single location he bought in 1960. Pizza is a tough business. It's the only food item that has its own category in the Yellow Pages, and there are always several shops to choose from in any reasonably populated area. While trying to expand the business, Monahan faced near bankruptcy and franchise disputes that almost buried Domino's. But one single promotional idea changed everything and put Domino's in an overwhelmingly dominant position in this ultra-competitive field. And here it is. 30 minutes or less, or it's free. That simple guarantee was explosive. The secret to the offer's success resides in your average, tired, hungry, time-strapped citizen. What seemed like the safer bet 
the tastiest pizza in town with unpredictable timing? Or the pizza that arrives in a half an hour or else ends up a free meal? The irony is, back before Domino's had to discontinue the offer in 1993 due to an auto injury lawsuit, the pizza sucked. Some think it still does. Each day, millions of people in more than 60 countries eat Domino's. Uh, Let's look at our offer. It's troubling to see so many entities trying to gain business online, yet without ever making a compelling offer. There's no apparent reason why someone should select you from the overcrowded field, because often you've made no express offer at all. So many websites assume that a visitor will get the obvious value that the owner knows he provides. Value is communicated through offers, and those offers must be communicated quickly and explicitly. Consider your surfing habits for a second, and ask yourself, why would my target audience be any different? In the lingo of direct response copywriting, an offer is called a call to action. For bloggers, desired actions include having a reader subscribe, bookmark you, make comments, respond to surveys, share your posts on social media, and utilize your information resources that double as sales tools. So you must start making offers if you want some action. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for being here, and I really appreciate you, and look forward to speaking with you again in our next episode. No matter if you are new to online marketing or a struggling veteran, keep coming back, where you will learn how to develop your online strategies so you can achieve the success you desire. And hey, if you've not done so, please click on the subscribe button or inside the podcast app you're using, click follow so you'll not miss even one exciting episode. And while you're at it, why not go to marketingonline.com and see what resources we have available. You've been listening to the Market to Online podcast where we help new and not so new creators reimagine their online strategies and finally live the life of their dreams. Thanks for listening.